Hello, and welcome to the Her Head in Films podcast. I'm your host, my name is Caitlin. On this podcast, I share my personal thoughts and feelings about the films that I watch. They tend to be art house and world cinema. Today, I'm talking about a really lovely, delightful, extraordinary documentary. It's called Ketty, and it's by Jada Tarun. And it's about these stray cats that live in Istanbul, Turkey. And it's this lovely uh, documentary. It's about the cats, but it's also about the people of Istanbul and their relationship to these cats. And it's a moving documentary. I don't think it's just for cat lovers, but obviously if you love cats the way I do, then I think you would really love this documentary. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the film, but I'm also going to weave in my personal experiences because I lost a cat a few years ago. She died, and so I'm going to talk about that, and I'm going to talk about the film and why I love it and why I think it's extraordinary. If you're new to the podcast and you don't know who I am, as I said, my name's Caitlin. I'm a writer, a dreamer, I love literature, art, and poetry. More than anything, I'm just really curious about the world, and I crave knowledge, I value knowledge, and I want to know about other people's lives, and and that's really a big passion in my life. Um, I live in a rural area. I created this podcast as an outlet so that I could share what I'm thinking and feeling about the various films that I watch. Film is a somewhat new passion of mine. I always loved books and writing, but in around uh, 2011, I got really obsessed with cinema and I really fell in love with art house films. I don't have anyone to talk to about film, so the, the podcast fills that void for me. If you're new to the podcast and you don't know what the title refers to, it just comes from an email that I sent a friend a few years ago. At the time, I was obsessively watching films, and I wrote to her, my head isn't in the clouds, my head is in films. And I thought it was the perfect way to describe how I'm always thinking about films, and they sort of consume me at times, and and um, so that's what her head in films means. This podcast does have a Patreon where you can help to financially support it each month. It's a monthly subscription thing. I have all kinds of extras for you on Patreon. You can get access to bonus episodes and things like that. Um, At one level, you get a shout out. First, before I do the shout outs, you can find my Patreon page at patreon.com slash herheadandfilms. I'd love to have you as a patron if that would interest you. It just helps me sustain the podcast. But I want to give my shout outs to Lindsay, Olivia, Carolyn, Feminist Overlord, Michelle, Jesse, and Polina. Thank you all for being patrons and to help sustain the podcast. I appreciate all of you who listen. If monetary support is not an option, please consider reviewing the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps it get better placement in the directory so that people can discover it. I'm really passionate about what I'm doing through this podcast. And yeah, it it would be nice, you know, if, if more people could discover it and, um, I, I just, 
that would be nice <laughs> if you'd like to do that um you can share episodes on social media if you would like to or tell friends about the podcast um you can interact with me on social media i'm on facebook at her head and films um i have a newsletter the link to sign up for it is in the description there's all kinds of ways that you can interact with me and i always put that information in the description of each episode but um i love doing this podcast it's a big passion of mine and um i don't know if i want to do anything beyond it i've thought about trying to do a website where i write reviews and stuff like that um i don't know right now you know but i do enjoy doing these episodes and but i, I just i have a lot of dreams and things i'd like to do um with cinema and you can help me do that through patreon if you'd like to or just by supporting the podcast in whatever way is possible for you and is comfortable for you so um i appreciate your support i appreciate all of you who listen so today i'm talking about ketty just such an amazing documentary and um there's going to be two parts really to this episode the first is i'm going to talk about my cat's death and then i'm going to talk more deeply about the film really and i'm going to weave in some background information i read a review that the inner that the director did jada tarun and um and i hope i'm pronouncing that right I went and looked at a video of the director and the way it sounded that she was pronouncing her first name was Jada even though it's spelled differently than the way it sounds um, I do my best with the pronunciations on the podcast but I'm not perfect so I do apologize uh, and don't mean any disrespect um, if my pronunciation is wrong So, Kedi in Turkish actually means cat, if you were wondering. Um, that is why it's called Kedi. And um, it's just about these stray cats, these street cats in Istanbul. And um, there's a lot of them. Istanbul has a population of 15 million people. And there's actually hundreds of thousands of these street cats. And the film really explores the relationship that the city has to these cats and how the cats are really, I guess, sort of the heart and soul of the city in many ways. I didn't see it just, even though it's called Ketty and it's about the cats, I also saw this as a documentary that is really a portrait of Istanbul and a portrait of the people. More than that, even, it's the portrait of a changing city of a changing world and the way the changes of in the world are affecting a particular city which is Istanbul and um but I'll get into the deeper stuff about the film in the second part of the podcast first I want to talk about my cat and I want to talk about why I wanted to do this episode because I watch a lot of films I'm an obsessive film watcher I watched more than 250 films in 2017 and Ketty was one of them. It was really a spontaneous thing me watching it. I just I heard I didn't I had not heard anything about it actually. I just found it and I read the description and I got really intrigued cuz I do love cats. I'm a big cat fan and a cat lover and 
I just thought, oh, I'll just watch this documentary. I wasn't expecting much out of it. What I got was something much deeper and much more profound and much more resonant for me. And it caused me to think more about my own experiences and to think about talking about the death of my cat, which is not something that I've talked about. I did a few social media posts after she died just to memorialize her in some way. But I got to thinking about this film and I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity because what I like to do on the podcast is to intertwine and weave in my own personal experiences with the films I watch. It doesn't happen with every single film, but certain films strike a chord or they strike a nerve for me. And I want to bring my own personal experiences to watching the film. And I can't help but do that, especially in this case. And so I thought doing an episode would be an opportunity to explore grief that I feel about my cat's death and just to talk about her and her life and what she meant to me and how our relationships to pets um, change us and impact us and transform us in many ways. Um, I think that's an important thing to talk about, you know. So I'm actually recording this episode on the second anniversary of her death. She died in 2016, in late January of 2016. And we got her, I want to say we got her in 2010, it could have been 2009, but I think it was 2010. And at that time she was around 8 years old and we named her Bella. We got her from a shelter, she was an older cat. Um, someone had paid her fee, so she was not as expensive to adopt. And she was my first pet. Um, as I said, we got her in around 2010, so I was around 20, 21 years old when we got her. I had never had a pet. Um, I grew up, when I was growing up, my family didn't have a lot of money. And so I think maybe financially we couldn't take on um, the cost of having a pet and so I just never had one I never had a cat never had a dog um, I felt really weird in school because there would always eventually come a day when the teacher would ask you know who has cats who has dogs who has pets and I could never say that I had anything I never had a goldfish never had a turtle or a gerbil I never had any of these things and I didn't realize that there was a void in my life or that I was missing something until I had Bella and until she came into my life. And I didn't realize I was a cat lover until we got her. And I realized that I was and I do love cats. Um, I think I, watching this documentary I got to thinking why do I love cats so much? Of course they're soft. I like that they're quiet. <laughs> I like that they take care of themselves pretty much. You know, you get a litter box, you know, they wash themselves. Um, but something else that occurred to me while I was watching the documentary was that they are solitary and they are alone in many ways, cats are. But they're okay with that. They're independent, they're free. 
they like being alone. They like being on their own in the world. And they are calm. There's a calmness, I think, about cats. There's something contemplative about cats as well. You know, they're just content to watch the world and to watch people, to observe the world. And that's kind of how I am. It's kind of how I've always been, just this very, you know, separate person. I've always felt very alone in the world. And I ha I struggle with loneliness. Um, but I'm also someone who likes to observe and likes to sort of be separate from things and just watch. And you kind of see that with cats as well. And um, I mean, I know some people don't like how distant cats are or how standoffish they are and how sometimes they withhold their affection. You know, when you come home, cats don't necessarily run up to you and get all hyper and crazy the way dogs can. So it's, I think it's a very different temperament where I feel like dogs are very... I don't know needy in a way and but they're also very outgoing they're very affectionate you know cats are much more interior they are um they do withhold that affection sometimes they're not needy they're not um demonstrative right I mean they're just not um but I I still love them I mean I have a dog now we have not gotten another cat we just have our dog, Boomer, and I love him. You know, I, I deeply love my dog, um, but I do think that I'm more of a cat person, you know, and um, there's just a different relationship that you have. It doesn't mean it's better or one's good or one's bad. It's just the temperaments are different. The experience of them is different. So I wanted to read an excerpt when, when Bella was dying in 2016. I wrote like a blog post. I have this blog that I have about grief and I wrote about her while she was dying and it, it was interesting because I wrote this blog post and then like that night after I published it or whatever she actually died and um, it was a really painful experience for me to see her die. So in the blog post I reflect on her and about just different things and so I wanted to read it in in this episode so here I go reading the blog post I remember the first night she was with us I was up late by myself in the living room and for some reason she ran around in a random spastic way like she was running after something that wasn't there her strangeness scared me at first I had no experience with animals I didn't know their language or how to interact with them it didn't take long to fall in love with her. She is white with patches of brown fur. Her eyes are large and round and green. I think she taught me how to love in a different way. At night she climbed on my chest. Then when I slept on my stomach she sat on my back. Sometimes she even plopped down on my head. The physicality of her astounded me. I'd put my ear to her purring body and feel the mass of fur against my skin, and it felt like I was connected to another being so fully. I wondered if she had thoughts. What do cats think? What do they feel? I'd stare into her eyes and wonder what she saw when she gazed back at me. Did she know how much I loved her? Could she feel that love in the way I caressed her fur, in my hunger for her? how I'd take her in my arms and not let go 
until she escaped my grasp and ran away. She'd had babies and her stomach hung down nearly to the floor. It would swing back and forth when she sprinted down our hallway. She'd ignore us all day, but at night she came alive, meowing and laying on her back, signaling that she wanted us to rub her belly. She is an individual. I may have another cat in the future, but that cat won't be her. It won't have her personality and idiosyncrasies. It won't smell like her or feel like her or sound like her. So that's what I wrote. Um, I just had this very deep relationship to her. And I think she helped me in some way because my father died in 2006 when I was 16. And I talk about him on the podcast a lot because it's just this raw, unhealable wound that I have when it comes to his death. And it was painful and devastating and shattering for me. And a lot, you know, it's been 12 years almost. And it's still very hard. And, um,. You know, you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say over a decade later that it's still hard, that you're not okay, that you're still struggling. Um, it's it's not something I'm necessarily proud of, and there is a measure of shame that I feel that I can't be okay, that I can't be together, you know, that I struggle, that I am a fragile person, and you know, it's it's hard. But when I got Bella, you know, I, I did feel a connection to her and I did feel a love for her, you know, and she came into my life in 2010, which was about four years after his death. And he was a cat person. Before I was born, my parents did have cats. They had one named Rocky in particular that I remember them talking about. And I think my dad was more of a cat person and so maybe that's something some kind of connection that I have with him but I don't know you know I can't ask him hey are you a cat person it just reminds me that there's so much that I don't know about him um you know because I was 16 when he passed away and so there's there's such a void there there's so much that I'll never know and you know I didn't get to have a pet with him you know what I mean it's just like another loss in a way so to lose Bella was like this it was like this really difficult thing you know to lose her in 2016 really yeah about ten, you know, 10 years after he died um, it was a really hard loss and I took it hard and I wrote about it in another blog post um, I entitled that blog post Absence, and I just wrote a few things, so I'm going to read those. The second day without my cat Bella, I noticed the absence. We put her water dish away. She will never drink from it. Her litter box in the bathroom is gone. She's gone. She is truly gone. I will never see her again. The anguish, the grief... So that's what I wrote, and, and I felt that grief very deeply. And when she died, a lot had happened. Um, 
I'd lost my house by then and we had moved to another state and so it was this time of turmoil and ordeal and hardship and transition difficult transition and then to lose her on top of everything else you know to lose and lose and lose it's it was heartbreaking and it was really hard for my mom she really struggled with it and she still struggles with it every time she talks about Bella she cries she's not able to really talk about it and for Christmas in 2017 I got her this photo book I, I I did like a Google photo book you know you can take some of your digital photos and get them made into a booklet and because um, so many photos these days we only have them like on our phone and I wanted some physical photos and so I made this book for my mom and I put like quite a few pictures of Bella in it and that was like a Christmas present that I gave her and she was really touched by that to be able to see physical photos of Bella and to look at them and um, she still feels a deep pain about it as do I but I think I'm I think I'm able to cope with it better for some reason I guess since it's been two years and I guess I'm just able to cope with it better for some for some reason I really do believe that Bella taught me how to love that it's like like I said I didn't even know that something was missing in my life I didn't even know there was this void or that I was missing something as a person because I had never loved an animal I had never loved a cat or a dog and so to love her it was a new experience and it changed me for the better and it has actually taken me a very long time to engage with cats again for a long time I had to avoid them or just seeing someone post a picture of their cat would be difficult for me but it's not now I'm able to love cats again and watching Ketty this documentary was actually a big deal for me it it represents um, an important transition that I've made to be able to engage with cats in some way because for so long I avoided them so I follow a cat on Instagram I, I, I'm never like this I'm not this kind of person who watches cat videos all day like I don't I don't get into that stuff it's just not something that I really do but I fell in love with this cat on Instagram and its name is Hosiko and it's in Russia it's like living in Moscow in Russia somewhere and I love this cat I even bought a calendar with this cat on it it's crazy I don't follow any other cats on Instagram I don't follow okay I do follow a dog on Instagram but I just this cat is like second to Bella for me I love this Hosiko cat I love Pasheen the cartoon cat I love Pasheen I have like fallen in love with Pasheen and um, so it's just an indication that I've been able to I think come to terms with Bella's death you know and um, I even pet stray cats we have a few outside our apartment and when I see them I'm able to touch them and pet them and I don't break down you know and so I can love cats again without hurting or without crying 
And that's a really beautiful thing. And I wonder sometimes if I could ever get to that point with my father. You know, I guess losing a cat's very different than losing a father, obviously. And I just, I imagine that maybe that's how some people are with the death of a loved one or the death of a, of a human is that they're able to move on from it. I mean, it's part of them, but it doesn't define them and it doesn't devastate them or destroy them the way it has me. And I really wonder what that could have been like, you know, to lose him, but to cope with it, to be okay, not to be okay with it, but to be able to live with it the way that I'm able to live with the loss of Bella, even though it is very painful and it did hurt me and it, and loving her changed me and grieving her changed me that you know I loved this cat so much and and I grieved her as powerfully as I loved her and that affected me too and that changed me as well so I'm gonna stop there with the personal stuff and now I want to talk about the film First, um, I, I read a few things, and I think that it could enrich your viewing of the film if you've already, if you haven't seen it, or it could deepen your um, knowledge of the film if you have seen it. So I read this article in The Economist, and I'll put these links in the description if you want to read them. And it said that there are hundreds of thousands of street cats in Istanbul which is shocking to even think about. Like I said earlier, there's almost 15 million people that live in Istanbul. And it's just amazing to think of all these cats being being there. And so there's some really interesting things about how cats are connected a bit to the to Islam. And so the article says, quote, Turkey is not unique among predominantly Muslim countries for honoring its cats which are considered ritually clean animals in Islam. In the Hadith, the collected sayings and actions of Muhammad, there are numerous examples of the Prophet's fondness for cats." Unquote. And another quote, Cats were considered guardians in other respects for the Islamic world. They defended libraries from destruction by mice and may have helped protect city populations from rat-borne plagues. Unquote. And um, there is a story in Keddie, like there's this restaurant owner who loves having the cats because it, the cats um, eat the mice and they make sure that, you know, there's no mice. And it's interesting the, the contrast in how Islam saw cats and how Christianity saw cats long ago. And here's a quote, Istanbul's love affair with cats also predates the Republic of Turkey. Under the Ottoman Empire, the pious cared for cats through local charitable foundations or vakif. By contrast, cats were often feared and vilified in medieval European cities, unquote. So I had no idea um, that there was this Islamic view of cats and, and that that is partly why they're so beloved and that they've actually been really important in the history of Islam and especially in the history of Istanbul and so I thought that was really interesting you know and there is in the documentary a spiritual dimension to the caring for 
of the for the caring of the cats in Istanbul. Several of the people um, mention um, sort of a, a spiritual or religious dimension to their love of these cats and why they feel responsible for them and why they want to take care of them. And finally, uh, Jada Tarun did an interview with a site called Catster and um, catster.com and um, the I think it's really interesting because I was thinking this myself when I was watching the documentary of how they went about choosing the cats. She focuses on like a handful, I think she says seven. She focuses on about seven particular cats and follows them around Istanbul. I'll talk about, you know, the specifics of the movie in a moment. And um, so I think it's interesting to to hear how she did that. And so, quote, this is what the director says. Quote, we initially researched about 35 cats. We had three people on the ground in Istanbul before the full filmmaking team got there, checking out different neighborhoods and trying to identify cats who had a special re relationship with the people around them. By the end of the shoot, we had 19 cat stories, and by the end of editing, that came down to the seven you see in the film. Unquote. And then the interviewer asks her about um, how the cats are faring in Istanbul today. Because um, that's also a part of the documentary is how Istanbul is changing and how it's becoming more difficult both for the people who live there and for the cats. And so Jada says, quote, the, she says that Istanbul is, quote, less hospitable to cats. Um, there is very little green space left. It breaks my heart. Street cats really reflect how people live in cities. I grew up in Istanbul in the late 1970s in an apartment building, but we had very, we had a very sizable backyard. Now my sister's kids are growing up there in an apartment with no backyard. Every piece of soil is being concreted over. All these little spots where street cats used to be able to live, unquote. So that's some words from the director. And so now I want to talk specifically about the film. This is a touching film. It is, it's delightful because it's just lovely to watch cats walk around and cats be cats right I mean it's so sweet but there's something deeper in this documentary because it's about the cats but it's also about the people of the city it's about how the city is changing and how that's affecting the people and the cats it's about what how people feel about these animals and they often have very deep feelings and very deep emotions and in that interview, Jada talked about how for some people in Istanbul, it's not okay to show emotions, maybe particular, particularly for men, but talking about cats opens them up more. And, and talking about the cats is a way for them to share their emotions and to share their feelings. So there really is so much to this film, and it's, it's a rich 
complex, um, beautiful film. I can't recommend it enough. You know, I went into it just thinking, oh, it's this cute cat film. And I came away with so much more than that. Um, and I want to say this too, and I think this is important to say. Here in the United States, since September 11th, 2001, there has been an ongoing, relentless, terrible dehumanization of Muslims and of people from the Middle East. And Turkey would be considered part of the Middle East for those of us who live in the United States. I witnessed it myself when 9-11 happened and I was living in a small rural town in North Carolina, which is in the southern United States. And I saw the way girls wearing hijabs and the headscarf were treated. I saw people yell things at them and say mean things to them. Um, this is an ongoing issue and it's still happening under President Trump, which just to say those two things together, President Trump makes me ill. Um, but we see it with the Muslim ban, with certain countries, um, the residents being banned from coming into the United States. We see it really in just the ongoing de demonizing, scapegoating, dehumanizing rhetoric surrounding Islam and Muslims and people from the Middle East. It's constant here in the United States. I think a documentary like this about Muslims, about people in the Middle East, can be a powerful thing. I think that there is the possibility that someone could watch it who lives in a small town like I do in a rural area who um, who maybe is not has not been exposed to different cultures different religions or, or has this stereotypical view of the Middle East as this scary barbaric violent place because that is what we get here in the US that is the stories and the narrative that we get that Muslims are violent, Muslims are bad, people in the Middle East are violent and scary. I'm just being honest, I don't feel this way, but this is the image of that area and of those countries, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, Turkey, Lebanon, um, the Palestinians. Um, there is this huge amount of dehumanization and demonization that happens and is happening. So I thought there was another element to this documentary of here is a documentary that shows Muslims, that shows the Middle East in a way that is humane, that is beautiful, that is you see what I'm trying to say that in a way where a regular person could connect with that here is another image here is another view here is another narrative you know about these beautiful kind-hearted people you know that live in this city and live in this country and there's nothing to fear you know there's nothing wrong there, you know these are wonderful people and I thought it was the, a portrait of a people, you know, a portrait of the people of Istanbul, the people of Turkey. 
and they came off as so gentle and so um philosophical too the way that they talk about the cats and the animals you can tell how much they love them and how much they mean to them i think there's a power to that that perhaps this documentary could generate more empathy in the world that somebody could watch this documentary and think oh these views that i have of the middle east this you know distorted hateful narrative that i've been given is not true you know that these are people people live in the Middle East human beings live in the Middle East their lives count their lives matter they they are complex and complicated and beautiful and you know I think that's important and I just wanted to bring that up you know because I am from rural areas I am like there's this bubble there's this lack of knowledge there's this this like watching Fox News all the time and getting this really weird distorted hateful view of other people especially those who live in Africa or live in the Middle East um, it's disturbing you know and I wonder if a documentary like this could change that or could change a few hearts and minds or open up their eyes you know um, that's certainly what cinema has done for me because I live in those little areas I don't have a lot of experience in the world I don't have money to travel you know and things like that and so I really travel through films and I've always felt like books and films and things like that really gave me a sense of empathy and compassion and you know I wanted to know about other people and and so I think that's another important part of this documentary is that um, you know it's about cats so it might kind of bring in people but then through that they're really getting this portrait of, of a city in the Middle East and getting a more complex view of that region although yeah I mean that's what I would say yeah. so um, one of the inhabitants uh, of the city who's in the documentary says a really important thing and he says without the cat Istanbul would lose a part of its soul so these cats are essential to Istanbul they are the heart and soul of this city it seems to me um, in this documentary through the film we get both an intimate view of the city and then we get sort of um, a larger view and um, Jada does that through these overhead shots so throughout the film we're at the level of the cats but then she does these overhead shots or where you see the rooftops and you see just the beauty of Istanbul I was really amazed I've never seen anything about Istanbul you know I, I don't know a lot about Turkey um, I, I just didn't I just haven't been exposed to it and um, I didn't know much about the city and it was so beautiful it's like on the water you know there's a lot of water around it and um, I was just sort of um, amazed I just thought it was a really beautiful city and um, 
and Jada captures that through these overhead shots. So there's this ground level view of the cats and the common person on the street. And then there's this almost godlike or omniscient view above the rooftops, looking down on all these lives that are, you know, going about their day, all the buildings um, and all of that. It's this bustling city, but it's also a city that's in transition, a city that's changing. But the one thing that remains really constant and stable are these cats you know they've been here thousands of years um for for a really long time in fact the film tells us at the beginning cats have lived in what is now istanbul for thousands of years so they are this really ongoing stable presence within the city even though they're sort of endangered um in some ways and it's amazing i don't know how she filmed this film she did such a great job, the team and, and, and Jada. Um, we see, like, we feel like we're in the world of these cats. And a lot of, and a lot of times we're like right down at the ground with them. And you'll see people's shoes and their legs. And that's all you'll see of these people walking by because you're at the level of the cats. And so you're seeing what they see. You're experiencing the world the way the cats do. So the film focuses on about seven cats in the city, but it also interviews people in Istanbul and weaves in the interviews throughout the film. <clears throat> and the people who are interviewed discuss their relationship to the cats. And you really end up falling in love with both. You fall in love with the cats, but I think you also really fall in love with the people. I have to say, by the, you know, by the time the documentary ended, I thought, if I traveled, I've never been out of the United States. I don't travel. I don't have the money. But if I ever did, I'd love to go to Istanbul. That is really a place I'd love to go to. I watched a documentary about Iran once, and I would love to go to Iran. I'm a huge fan of Iranian cinema. I remember in that documentary they went to like some mosques I think and there was like this beautiful tile and um so I, w I would love to go um to different places like that but I would definitely love to go to Istanbul and see these cats like it looks like a really beautiful place I think it would be an amazing experience to come across this many cats really in one place but you fall in love with the people of this city and you fall in love with the cats as well. And one man, we don't get the names usually of the interviewees. Um, they say just some of the most beautiful things. And like I said, this is a profound documentary. Um, it's deep. It's not, I think some people probably go into it. Like, oh, it's going to be a cute documentary about cats. It's so much deeper than that. And, um, so one man says, quote, the love of cats is a different kind of love. People who don't love animals can't love people either, unquote. And I thought that was a really um, important thing. And it was something that I learned in my own life, like I talked about earlier, that I, I've always said that Bella, my cat, taught me how to love or how to love in a different way. You know, it's one thing to love people. It's another thing to love a pet, to love a cat, to um, take care of a pet because you realize that they are completely dependent on you. 
You know, your dog is not going to eat if you don't feed him. He's not going to be able to go out and use the bathroom if you don't take him. So in many ways, you feel that sense of responsibility for another living being. And um, I think that does change you. And I think that loving a pet is important. That people who don't love animals or people who hurt animals or things like that, that says something about that person. Don't you think? I mean... I don't want to make generalizations. I mean, I know some people just don't connect to cats or dogs. But I I do think that... I think that's an important thing to experience, that kind of love for an animal. And I think it teaches you something about yourself. And I think it expands your humanity. I really do. I've seen that happen, you know, with myself. And... I think loving a pet, falling in love with a pet, it softens you. I think it it makes you more tender in some ways. I think it can. Not I don't think maybe that happens to everybody, but I think it can happen. I feel more sensitive, you know. And then a woman is interviewed and she says something really interesting I thought quote I imagine having a relationship with cats must be a lot like being friends with aliens you make contact with a very different life form open a line of communication with one another and start a dialogue she goes on quote they are very foreign to us very different unquote and if you'll remember, that was something that I wrote in my original blog post. I wrote about how Bella, my cat, when I got her, I was not used to it. I was not used to her ways. I was not used to a pet or an animal. And it was different, you know, and she did feel very alien to me in some ways. And I still have these moments where I'll look at my dog, Boomer, and I'll look into his eyes and I'll think, what are you thinking? Because we can't communicate, can we? We don't have a language. You know, we speak our language and they speak theirs. And it's like, do they have thoughts? What do they think about? What I think to love an animal, it's to love something foreign from you. Something other in a way. Because they are. They are different from you. And there's a mystery about it you know and especially cats are sort of described in that way with the mysteriousness uh and the mystery of cats it's like i don't know i'm not putting it into words but with animals whether they're domesticated or or not whether they're wild animals um i think it's hard for people to accept that a animal is not like them an animal is different. You know, I think of people who become really obsessed with wild animals. I used to watch a show on the anim on Animal Planet. It was called Fatal Attractions. And it was about people who were killed by wild animals that they took in and that they tried to domesticate. I remember one guy, like, had a tiger. There were several stories about people with tigers. You know, like one one couple, they did some kind of show with tigers. 
another woman had like a chimpanzee I think that killed her I think one woman had a wolf that killed her I think there at one point there was a snake who killed an owner and every time this happened it was often because the person tr tried to treat the animal like a person they were not able to realize that this animal is wild that this animal does not see you the way that you see it that there's a different language there there's a different um there's a there's a difference you know and they would all they would always think that the animal was like them or something or I, I'm not putting it into words right but they couldn't understand that this animal was an animal you know that it was different in some way that that doesn't mean you should hurt it or anything like that but it just means that um, it is foreign to you in some way you can't treat a chimpanzee the way you treat a person you know um, often in doing that you are hurting the animal you know when you put these animals in captivity whether it's whales at SeaWorld or it's chimpanzees and monkeys you know in zoos you're hurting it you are hurting this animal by not treating it with dignity and treating it with respect and understanding that it is different than you that it doesn't want to sleep with you in its bed it wants to be in a tree it wants to be free living its life and so I think I think we humans have such a complicated relationship with animals and um, but I want to respect the otherness of an animal you know of a cat of a dog like with Bella I would just let her be you know I'm not going to force Bella um, to do things that she doesn't want to do you know I, I was there to take care of her obviously and make sure she had food and water and all of that but she was a cat you know she's different and she has a different way she has different behavior she has different things that she does and I think when you love a pet you have to respect that pet and respect what it is and what it wants to do and cats are very you know independent and very on their own they're gonna do what they want to do you know and um, but I would often look in her eyes or I look in boomers eyes and it's like you wonder so much about them there's so much that we don't know about them and they're just so different you know but they're so beautiful and we love them so much um, but we have to reconcile that that they are their own beings they are different from us and I think for some people that's really hard but I love that she said that that they are foreign to us and um but it's so interesting how even though they're very different from us we're still able to connect to them and to love them so deeply the way that we do another man in the documentary says quote and I've actually seen this like screen screenshot and I've seen the screenshots like on social media this is like a very popular part of the film like I think I saw it on tumblr and and like places like that 
and the, his quote is, everything is beautiful when you look at it with love. If you can enjoy the presence of a cat, a bird, a flower, what can I say? All the world will be yours, unquote. And so loving these cats, it's really about loving, loving life, enjoying life, appreciating the small things of life, that just being with a cat, you know, just petting a cat is a reminder or can be a reminder of the beauty of life that, you know, in, in this world right now, especially we know there is a lot of suffering. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of scary things happening. And I think our pets, um, they can be a big comfort and, you know, you just sit and rub your dog or you look in your dog's eyes or your cat's eyes and it's a reminder that, you know, life can have its beautiful moments. And I think our pets can help us live more fully and help us um, cope, you know. I mean, I know that when I'm rubbing my dog, that's a big comfort to me, you know, or when he's being really sweet or doing something cute. It comforts me and it helps me in that moment. And so I think that quote by that man is really beautiful that these cats help people appreciate life more you know that they are rem a reminder of the little the little joys and the little pleasures that we can find at times so I mentioned it earlier but I wanted to talk a bit more about it and the film goes deeper into the fact that Istanbul is changing more buildings are going up um, there's less nature in the city both the cats and the people are endangered as development and construction in the city expands a lot of areas are being demolished and so the fate of the cats and of the people are intertwined and, and they sort of mirror each other and um, in some ways the city is becoming more more inhospitable to these animals and to the people that live there as well and I think that's a story that a lot of cities are dealing with um, more concrete more building you know there was Hurricane Harvey in 2017 that hit Houston Texas here in the United States and one of the reasons that the flooding was so bad was because there had been so much development that put down lots of concrete and covered up the wetlands and covered up the ground that could have absorbed some of that water. So we can see how in the case of Houston during Hurricane Harvey, this unfettered, you know, development and construction has a direct um, impact on um, these these disasters that happen and, and, and in some ways it was man-made because of that that if there had been more um, you know wetlands and more ground for the for the water to soak into there may not have been such bad flooding I don't know the specifics about Istanbul but I think any time that you are wiping out nature when you are getting rid of nature and you're putting down more concrete and you're putting up more buildings I would say that that is always a precarious thing and can and is not always a good thing for people 
or for the animals that live in these cities. So I don't know if the people of Istanbul or, or the the politicians or the government people are going to address that or change that or anything like that. But I, I thought it was important that the documentary did mention it and did explore it a little bit. So the film also talks to a woman um, who uh, she discusses the death of her cat. She has this cat that she was really close to and she has like a lot of pictures of it like in this photo album and um, I thought it was so interesting what she said. She said quote my longing for her let's just say if there is afterlife I want to meet her again not my grandmother unquote. Uh, I thought that was like a kind of a funny moment that you know if there's an afterlife she doesn't want to see her grandmother she wants to see her cat um, and I think it speaks to the fact that in our lives often animals and pets can mean more to us and be better to us than the people in our lives you know um, you know, I think a lot of times our relationships with people can be really difficult and painful. And I know they have been for me. I'm someone, like I said earlier, you know, I'm very alone and lonely in the world. And I haven't had a support system. I haven't had a lot of friends. I don't really have a family besides my mom. And um, so with Bella and now with Boomer too, I do feel a sense of companionship with animals. There is something easier about animals and they're easier to love and they, they love you unconditionally. And that's an important part of these pets too is, is this feeling that you are loved unconditionally and that, um, that, that unconditional love is so difficult to find from human beings. I think we all search for it and look for it it's extremely hard to find and it's extremely rare I think and um, that woman that talked about her her cat dying she has a lot of cats now and she feeds a lot of cats and has a lot in her apartment and it just reminded me that loving a cat is really fraught it's a fraught thing because you're always aware you always have that knowledge that you could lose them so loving a person loving an animal a pet it's always fraught with that knowledge that you could lose this this person or this animal and that's a really painful thing it's really hard I mean I think it is I, I, I haven't gotten a cat since Bella's death I, it's just I don't know if I could Sometimes I think I could or I want to and then other times I just feel like I don't want to go through that again you know I don't want to lose another cat because it was really painful you know and um, I just don't feel ready for it and it's like it would feel like I was replacing her or would just you know it wouldn't be the same you know that cat wouldn't be her and I mean, maybe one day, you know, maybe eventually, but um, for now, I just have my dog, and I'm okay with that. And the last person from the documentary that I want to talk about is this man. He brings, like, a bag of food, and he feeds a lot of the cats. 
He even brings medicine for him that he got from the vet. And he says that in 2002, he had a nervous breakdown and that caring for the cats cured him, that it healed him. And he said that the cats are his therapy and that they make him happy. And I thought this was really interesting and really beautiful and really moving because our relationship with animals can be very healing and it can be very comforting. And it's interesting for him to say that, you know, he found something in caring for these cats that he couldn't find anywhere else, that no medication helped him, you know, this was his therapy. And um, I think sometimes when we find something where we feel needed and we feel connected to something larger than ourselves and we feel a purpose or a meaning in life, I think that is something that can be very powerful and very healing for us. And um, he obviously finds that through taking care of some of these cats. You know, he can't take care of all of them, but he has like a group that he goes and feeds and gives medicine and stuff. And I just thought that was a really beautiful story. I mean, this this documentary is just filled with so many of those stories, you know, of, and I didn't even go into all of them. You know, there, there's so many stories in the film and so many beautiful interviews and, and, and like I, that's why I say that I think it's a portrait of the people of Istanbul. The way they love these cats, the way they take care of these cats says something about them. It reveals something about them and, um, and reminds us that our relationship to cats and to other pets is profoundly transformative and it's important. And um, I don't know if we talk enough about it. You know, there's not a lot of films like this. Um, it just, it's a beautiful documentary. I know I keep saying that word. I don't know what other word to say. You know, it's a revelatory film. It is an emotion. There's emotion and feeling in it. And um, it really probes this relationship that we can develop with animals especially with cats obviously but I think that's why maybe the film could appeal to people who are maybe not into cats but if you're interested in people and in people's lives if you're interested in our relationships to animals then it could be a, a film that would interest you even if cats are not your obsession the way they are for me <laughs> um it has a lot to say about life, you know, and about um, people. It's not just about cats, it's about people too. And um, how they're intertwined. We are intertwined with the living beings on this planet, whether we want to believe it or not, or accept it or not. Just like we are intertwined with the earth. And how we treat both matters. And how we treat both says something about our species 
And unfortunately, human beings have been quite destructive, both to the earth and to other animals. And um, this film is a reminder to treat um, living creatures with respect and love and to take care of them. That's also a really important part of the documentary is the obligation and the responsibility that the residents of Istanbul feel for these animals. That they feel almost like um, they're guardians or something. That they have an obligation to take care of them. And obviously Islam has uh, imparted that message somewhat. I don't know if every person interviewed was Muslim or not. Um, they feel a deep social responsibility, right? They feel this collective responsibility for these cats, you know. And don't you wish, you know, here in the U.S. we felt that, or at least felt that for like other people or for each other, this responsibility for those that are smaller than us or those who are helpless or defenseless or it would be nice if we had that view, right? That we have a responsibility both to our pets and to these different animals and also to each other. Um, I also sensed though um, the way that the people who were interviewed talked about the cats, the way they talked about um, just different things they said in the interviews when it came to Istanbul. There was, for me, a sense of sadness, too, and melancholy about the people that I think they themselves are are struggling with the way their city, their beloved city, is changing. And um, that that came through for me. I don't know if it was intentional or if I'm making that up or reaching, but there was a sadness to the people as well. Um and I think that comes from the changes that are happening in the city, the development that's occurring and that is probably um, affecting all of their lives and making their lives more difficult in some way. <clears throat> Life is hard. Life is hard these days. And um, as much as you can tell that they love the cats and the cats comfort them, I, I just sensed a sadness too and um, I think that was there as well so um yeah I, I think I've said everything that I want to say about the film I just wanted to take the opportunity to talk about it I think it's an important film um, I think it has a lot to say about so many things you know not just about cats but also about people about the way the world's changing and how difficult that can be to deal with, how it can threaten, you know, um, space <laughs> where people live. Um, and I also wanted to talk about Bella and talk about my cat. And, you know, it's hard to believe it's been two years since she passed away. And it was a hard, very hard experience that I struggled with for a long time. But I do feel like in some way I've come out the other side of it. And I'm I'm glad that I can watch something like this again and that I can appreciate it. 
and that I can engage with cats again and love them again because that love transformed me and changed me and I don't want to let that love go. I want to keep feeling it and I want to keep loving animals and loving cats without it hurting so much. And I, I do feel like I've come to that place for myself. And I wanted to talk about that in this episode. And I just wanted to talk about this lovely, beautiful, extraordinary, delightful film um, that I think everybody should see. And um, I hope that you can see it. <laughs> so um, I'll stop here. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep watching great films. Bye for now.